Welcome to We Just Like to Talk. I'm your host, Becky. And I'm Kara. This is a podcast for easy listening about hard subjects. Today's topic is... Pressure to date and procreate. So today's episode is about the pressure, the questions that people in their 20s and into our 30s, especially women, get around the topic of, are you seeing somebody? When are you getting married? And especially, when are you having kids? So I thought I'd start us off with a little bit of a disclaimer that neither Becky nor I hate children and... In fact, Becky, I think you'd describe yourself as like a very proud auntie. Absolutely. My favorite title. Yeah, exactly. Um, So this is not an anti-children, anti-having children podcast episode. Or Um, anti-marriage for... Or anti-marriage, right. So if you are married, if you're in a long-term romantic partnership, um, if you have kids or you want kids... If being a mother or a parent is a particularly important label for you, that is great and wonderful, and we are not trying to shit all over that. Um, So this episode is not about uh, us trying to hate on mothers or parents or having kids. Instead, um, this episode was inspired by Becky going on a bit of an Instagram story rant, which I loved. (laughs) Um, because you've, you've been single for a little bit and we've talked about that on the show before and you're of that age where people start questioning you about these things. And it it is something that is very gendered. It's something that's very particular to women getting these questions quite a bit as well. So Mm -hmm. we wanted to talk about our individual experiences with this kind of pressure, as well as how we see it operating in our society Uh, And offer up a little bit of a critique on these ideas. So whether you have kids, don't have kids, want kids, don't want kids, aren't sure, you know, I think these are very important things for us to think about. And if you are a parent or want to be a parent, we need to be thinking about these things for the benefit of our children so that they can grow up with fewer pressures and expectations that they need to turn out a certain way. Uh, Did you want to talk a little bit about the original rant you did? Yeah, I can dive into that. So as Cara mentioned, when I went back to good old Thunder Bay, I was, I want to say bombarded, but a few people in a row had asked me, you know, very similar questions. Are you in a relationship? Are you dating someone? What's What's your relationship status? And then one or two people even asked me, do you want to have kids? And I was just so taken aback. I'm like, are we really going to keep asking women this same question over and over and over again? 
and it just really boiled my blood. So I went on Instagram and I did a rant. And as you said, I, I claimed in my, in my stories too. I said, I'm not against kids. I love kids. You know, if people want to talk to me about their relationships or about their children, go for it. But I'm not going to go out of my way to ask women, you know, what's your relationship status? Who are you dating? Blah, blah, blah. And do you want kids? Especially that question. Because mm-hmm. it's none of my business. And it's it's just too personal. So if you do want to mm-hmm. see the OG rant, it's in my highlights, um, in the podcast highlights. So go check it out if you're curious on what I'm talking about. But it was great because it really opened up this discussion. And I got a ton of DMs from different types of people. So women that are single, women that have kids, women that are married, um, a man even DM me, like it was just like all different perspectives, which was, which was cool. And it was nice to see. And I'm happy that it didn't come across as, you know, I'm anti kids or I'm anti marriage. I'm anti people asking that those questions. How about that? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. These are, these are questions, you know, some people are very open about these things and don't care if you ask these questions. But I think mm-hmm. something we want to accomplish with this episode is if you're the type of person who asks people these questions, especially people you don't know super well, then maybe stop and think twice the next time you have the urge to ask these questions. Think about the assumptions that you are making yeah. based on how we are brought up in our society. Yeah, and even even if yeah, I I, I want to say something along the lines of, you know, even if you're not totally aware of it, like maybe we can just be a little more conscious mm-hmm. of you know what types of questions we're asking, and not just let it be automatic. Yeah, yeah. So, Kara, tell me, what was your viewpoint when you were younger on marriage and having kids? It's a great question. And I I love how this topic came up for both of us because, you know, you had done your rant and stuff. And then around the same time, mm-hmm. I was lying on my couch, looking out my front window, watching people walk by. And often I would watch people walk by with little kids. And often those people would mostly be women. There There were some people who were men or maybe other genders. And it just got me thinking about how it seems like there's this expectation put on people and especially on women that you will reach a point where you've become an an adult sometime in your 20s, maybe your 30s, and you will become a mother. And once you become a mother, right, that is who you are first and foremost. So like, from my perspective, when I was a young kid, you know, I thought I would get married. I thought I would be a parent one day because... That's really the only narrative we're told, basically. People who grow up in single-parent households, uh, people who grow up in less traditional, non-nuclear families, those are the exceptions. And it's getting a bit better. But in general, like, you know, in TV, in media, the narrative we are fed is that you will grow up, you will meet a partner, Uh, These days, we're a little bit more flexible on the gender of that partner, but you will still find a partner and you will partner up with this person or with people and have kids. And it's like, 
that that was what I believed for such a long time. And eventually I reached a point where I realized that for me, that probably wasn't my goal anymore. You know, I've talked on the show previously about how I'm asexual and aromantic. And I mean, asexual and aromantic people can still have partnerships, can still have kids if that's what they want. It doesn't stop you from doing that. Mm-hmm. But the way that my life has developed in my 20s and now that I'm in my early 30s, those are not a priority for me. I'm, I'm quite happy on my own and I don't really have a desire to have a kid of my own. And I just, I wish that I had been told sooner that that was okay. Yeah, I think you bring up a lot of good points. It's just like, it's so ingrained in our society. And it's just like, I think especially when we were young, there just wasn't a lot of other options than get married, have kids. So you're right. It's just kind of like this assumed thing. I think for me... I do remember like when I was younger, I just, I love like dolls and I had a lot of (laughs) like Barbies and, and that kind of stuff. But the dolls in particular, like I would, I would nurture them and I'd pretend like they were my babies. And whereas my sister was, was the opposite. Like she didn't really care for them, but now it's so interesting seeing like our lives. And it's like, you know, you would have thought me having these little dolls and, and caring for them and and whatever, that I would have kids, but I don't. And it's actually my sister. So it's like, you know, it's kind of like the reverse, not saying that that would have been a predictor, but, you know, it's kind of interesting Mm -hmm. in that sense. So, so yeah, you bring up a good point. Like we are encouraged even in our play to have perhaps like very gendered ways of approaching um, how we're supposed to grow up, what we're supposed to be interested in. So, you know, when you were growing up as a little girl, were you questioned? Were you encouraged to like talk about, you know, what would you like for your ideal wedding? Yeah, like at certain points, maybe like preteens, I would say preteens and maybe like a little bit of the teens. You know, I, I remember friends having these conversations and my answer has changed along the way. Like I at one point I was like, oh, I'm going to have this huge wedding and this like lace gown and open back but it was always about it was more so about the fashion aspect big surprise there for me it's just been kind of like I don't even know like like a murky vision like it could happen Mm -hmm. but I'm not so set on it it's not like for me it's not this goal of like I need a wedding in my life no but it was it was something you talked about at least a little bit right yeah for sure. So yeah. men don't men don't talk about that. Right. <laughs> like it's so interesting to me. Weddings and yeah. you know, procreation stuff like that. Like it's such a gendered topic. And by and large, there's always gonna be exceptions, but by and large, yeah. you know, men never talk about their ideal wedding day, right? The right. wedding is a very traditionally feminine celebration. And it's yeah. all about the bride, and it's all about well, what does the bride want? Sometimes men will jokingly be asked, hey, like, when are you going to settle down? When are you going to put a ring on it? But, you know, in general, men have a lot more freedom in our society to, you know, quote, play the field and date around a lot. Whereas, although we're a lot more flexible these days about women having 
you know, more than one sexual partner, at the end of the day, there's this assumption that women are supposed to be looking for the one where, you know, maybe that's not your priority right now. Maybe you're just looking for the fun. (laughs) Yeah. Or like you said, I think there's nothing wrong with just with being single and being content. I think that's a very nice place to be. Like I'm good. I don't need to be fulfilled by another person. Am I open to a relationship? Yes. Do I need one? Mm -hmm. No. And I think that's like the distinction. Exactly. It's that what, what do you want to help you feel more fulfilled in life? And for some people, it is going to be that romantic partnership and maybe those kids that, that can go with it. But we we don't we're not doing a great job of telling people that there's other options you know like my ideal i've told you this before but for for our listeners like yeah i don't want to be a parent i i want to be the cool aunt right like i want to be the person who's there for my friends and because i don't have kids if you have an emergency you can call me and i'm going to be there because i don't have this obligation of a kid at home to watch or You know, if you have kids and it's like, you need to go away for the weekend, I can watch your kids for you. Like Mm -hmm. I can change your diapers. I can help you with your laundry. I want to be unencumbered in the sense of like, parents are busy. Parents are very busy people. I know this because I have so many friends who are parents and they're always like canceling on me or asking to reschedule. And that never bothers me because I get it. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know. I know that's something I don't want for me. I want to be available. I want to be that person who's lying on her deck with a cup of tea and a book so that when you call me at 1030 because you just had a bad date, you know I'm up and I'm ready to listen. probably touched upon it in a previous um, episode but just like the mindset of a smaller town is definitely more traditional Mm -hmm. and I think because maybe there's like not as much to do or there's just not as many different perspectives and so the views are a little bit more narrow and you know a lot of my friends from Thunder Bay have gotten married have kids whereas being in Montreal, I think out of all of my friends here, only one has a kid and, mm-hmm. you know, some of them are married, but then some of them are single and I don't know, there's just a lot of different perspectives I find, which is probably why I feel, I don't want to say more accepted, but just maybe like a little bit more like at at ease and like at home, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. and Totally, there's so much about culture here, and we're making a lot of generalizations, but just because we're of kind course. of talking about our our experiences and how we can relate that to what we see in our society. On on this idea of being asked this question and it being a, a very gendered thing, you know, I just want to talk a little bit about this idea of like motherhood mm-hmm. and how our society often equates womanhood with motherhood or the expectation of motherhood. Mm. And I I think it's so interesting that, you know, if you are a man who becomes a father, Mm -hmm. that's just one particular hat you wear. 
and it doesn't define you. Mm-hmm. But once you're a mother, that's your primary role, and you're going to be judged by everybody, whether they're a parent or not. But you're going to be judged for your parenting. Mm-hmm. You know, there's this very uh, memorable moment for me from the music video for Taylor Swift's "The Mat," where uh, Taylor Swift is dressed up as a male version of herself and uh, has taken. Uh, a kid to the park and gets a banner and a party thrown for this male Taylor Swift um, as like number one dad for spending a tiny amount of time with your kid, right? Whereas we judge women harshly if they're not parenting properly, according to whatever our definition of proper parenting is that week. And our society still punishes women for having kids or even for the possibility that they might have kids. I'm always seeing people on Twitter talking about how they got passed up for a job in the year of our Lord, 2021, because they were asked in an interview if they might have kids one day. Oh my gosh. Yeah. What a great point though. Like women are, when women are judged kind of like no matter what they do, you don't want kids. You're going to be judged. You want kids. You're going to be judged on how many kids you're going to have. Mm-hmm. You stay at home with your kids, you're going to be judged for that. You don't work hard enough. Uh, mm-hmm. You work outside of the home. You don't care enough for your kids. Because a lot of the judgment is put onto women, and women feel this, I feel like then they put it onto other women. Absolutely. It's that internalized misogyny. Yeah, exactly. So I think if we can really look in and stop ourselves from asking these questions or maybe even just take a step back and ask ourselves what's the intention of asking these questions is it because they're your friend okay then maybe like that's another story is it because you have nothing else to talk about like what is it like what's the reason so and I guess like along the same topic we never know like what's happening behind closed doors you know you mm-hmm. you you don't really know somebody else's life you don't know why they're they don't have kids or or whatever and I love what my friend sent me shout out to Janessa she sent me it's from impact uh it was it was a post on Instagram and it says stop asking women when they are having babies and it's like 10 reasons why you shouldn't ask when they're having babies So it could be like infertility, abortion, miscarriages, reproductive health issues, abusive relationships, emotional readiness, physical readiness, financial issues, not wanting kids, none of your business. And I just thought that was so great because, you know, there's there's just so many reasons why somebody isn't ready or doesn't want to disclose Mm -hmm. that information. And we shouldn't put people in that that awkward position. Yeah. That's such a great point. And that financial readiness thing really hit me because, you know, you and I are both millennials and there's this running joke that millennials, oh, we aren't buying houses and we're not saving enough for retirement. And it's like, well, the reason that we're not doing any of these things is because we're not getting paid as much as previous generations were at our age because wages have not increased to keep pace with inflation in a lot of places. So yeah, a lot of millennials are not having kids because we can't afford to. Mm-hmm. It's expensive yeah, to have it's kids. it's a lot. 
Yeah. I mean, I know you and I have talked about this before, but it's like, you know, I'm, I'm so baffled at how people can afford all of this stuff. A mortgage, maybe they have a pet, maybe they have a vehicle. And then on top of that, you have kids. Like, yeah. I mean, talk about a lot of stress. All right, Cara. So what is your perspective as an ace and trans woman? Yeah. So I, I mentioned earlier briefly about how when I was growing up, my asexuality kind of helped me figure out that I didn't want kids necessarily. And mm-hmm. I talked about how it took me longer to realize that because our society really sells you that narrative that you're supposed to pair off and make a family. And again, nothing wrong with wanting that. Lots of asexual people do end up having a family. Mm-hmm. But The assumption that having a family, having kids, especially biological kids, because adoption is a thing as well, and that's a valid way to have kids too, this assumption that having a family is normative and is what you should be striving for, it can make some asexual people feel broken because it makes us feel Mm. like just because we're not attracted to other people sexually we are like failing and broken because we're not, that's not a priority for us. Mm -hmm. So like you were just saying, Becky, when you're considering asking somebody, are you seeing anybody? Are you going to get married soon? Are you thinking about having kids? Think about the fact that that person might not be straight for one thing and maybe doesn't want to talk about their sexuality with you because they don't want to be like, they don't want to out themselves, but they also don't want to pretend that they're straight. Um, And they may not even be allosexual. They may be ace and, again, maybe don't want to talk about it or maybe tired of this assumption that that's something they want. So, you know, think about the fact that we're just so complex. And then now, you know, in my 30s, I've come out as a transgender woman. And like I said before, often we equate motherhood and womanhood and we do it without even thinking about it because it's just so ingrained in our society. And there's many reasons not to do it that we've already touched on. But at the end of the day, it's also transphobic and exclusionary. And I I want to make this point very explicitly to people because I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who are trying to be trans inclusive and want to be good allies and don't realize this or make this connection really. But, you know, when we taught when we equate womanhood with motherhood mm-hmm. we are erasing people who are transmasculine or non-binary who were assigned female at birth who are biologically capable of having a kid and maybe they choose to use the label mother maybe they choose to be a parent maybe mm-hmm. they use the label of father but like there are people who aren't women who can have kids biologically mm-hmm. and you know, I can't have kids biologically in any sense of the word, right? Um, thanks to hormone therapy. But, you know, for me, as a trans woman, like, unless I want to adopt, um, because I, I, I didn't have kids before I started my transition, I'm not going to be a mother or a parent in any sense of the word. So when people start talking about motherhood as this inevitable consequence of womanhood or as this amazing part of womanhood it really makes me feel like an outsider and like i'm Mm -hmm. I'm excluded Mm -hmm. and 
a lot of cis women have the same issue because you know there are as you mentioned there are cis women who can't have kids Mm -hmm. because of fertility issues or don't want to have kids because of uh trauma finances and stuff you know this this is the whole issue with being uh trans exclusionary especially trans misogynistic is that any argument you make for excluding trans women from the definition of womanhood also inevitably will exclude some cisgender women too Mm-hmm. So being a mother can be an amazing part of being a woman, but it shouldn't be considered a requirement and it shouldn't be assumed to be a, a possibility or a desire for every woman. You know, there's this website from the UK. It's a forum called Mumsnet because in the UK you call them mum, not mom. <laughs> and <laughs> Mumsnet, unfortunately, has become quite the radical ground for initiating uh, people, especially cisgender women, into this transphobic cult, especially in the UK. Mm. And and they do it based on this idea that being a woman and giving birth is the epitome of a woman's experience. Mm -hmm. And I've seen some some of the posts from this site, and it just makes me sad. Because isn't that the ultimate patriarchal dream that we were supposed to be moving away from with feminism, right? Like, isn't the whole point of patriarchy to make sure women are here to breed and have kids and that's it? (laughs) So like, why are we swinging back around to that? It's so true. Yeah, like anytime I hear like the definition of being a woman is, you know, giving birth to a child, I'm just like, hmm. That doesn't sound right (laughs) for a lot of reasons and especially the ones that you mentioned. So thank you for sharing your perspective. Thank you. (laughs) So Bachelorette Becky. Ooh, I like this name. You're welcome. Uh, that's that was what I was going to ask you. Actually, was like, how do you feel about this label of bachelorette? And maybe follow up question: How do you feel about the label of spinster? I don't know. I don't know if I resonate with either of them. Mm-hmm. I like the ring that bachelorette Becky has, but <laughs> it kind of sounds like I'm looking. Like it kind of sounds like I have all these men lined up because I just think of the show Mm -hmm. like that's what I'm equating it to right now and you know it's like I have all these prospects and all these choices to choose from and that would be great if that was the situation right now but it's not so maybe when it is I'll I'll, you know I'll adopt this uh this name but I don't know for some reason I I don't like the word spinster because it just it just sounds old. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if someone were to call me a spinster, I'd be like, damn, like I haven't even reached my prime yet. Like who are you calling a spinster? <laughs> so I don't know. And so I you'd rather be called a cougar is what you're saying. You're working towards cougarhood. <laughs> I don't know. I, <laughs> yeah, maybe when I'm 45 and I'm huh. dating a 25 year old. Yes. I would like that wow. title. Yeah, watch Okay, <laughs> so how do you feel about the label Bachelor? I feel neutral because mm-hmm. I feel like 
I don't know, but I also think of like bachelor pad and I think of a guy who's just kind of messy and yeah. has like purple sheets or something and like brown walls. <laughs> That's a very specific and vivid image. I wasn't expecting that. Thank you. <laughs> so I'm asking you these questions because I yes. think that the labels that we put on single people of different genders yeah. are so fascinating to me, right? So for yes. the case of Bachelor, which we yeah. typically apply to men, you didn't equate that like you did with Bachelorette with somebody who's on the market, right? you know, got, got some people lined up. It's like, no, for you, the Bachelor is this person who's living like a confirmed he's Bachelor just, existence. Yeah, he's just living his life. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm with you on that because I, I have the same kind of mental conception, maybe not the exact same like purple sheets, brown brown walls image. But, um, you know, back when I was presenting mail mm-hmm. as a single person, uh, I would happily call myself a bachelor and probably would tell people I want to live the bachelor's life. And there's something mm-hmm. distinguished about that label in a sense, um, or at least there used to be, I think. You know, I understand where you're coming from uh, in that the sense that it can also kind of have this um, delayed kind of infantilizing effect as well. Mm-hmm. And then for women, you know, the term bachelorette, I agree with you, especially because of the reality TV show. Mm-hmm. It has this connotation of somebody who is actively on the prowl looking for a suitor. And yeah, spinster sounds old. I There were several years ago, I read a book by Kate Bullock called Spinster, Making a Life of One's Own. And she talks about the label of spinster mm-hmm. and where it comes from and how it's been applied historically and talks about this idea of how difficult it can be as a single woman to kind of forge a path in our society. Uh, it was a fascinating book, kind of, I think, she she ends up like at the end being like, by the way, I'm married now. And I'm just like, come on, Kate. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, but yeah, so. Wait, I, so question for you. Yeah. So you were saying, you know, in the past, you you would have been okay with, with the term bachelor. Yeah. Okay, but now, what if I was like, you know, how do you feel about the term bachelorette? For yourself. Uh, exactly, right? I don't like it because it has this impression ah. I'm like about to attend my bachelorette party and get married. So I'm right. I, oh. I'm on the same page as you. Yeah. Um, I I understand where you're coming from with spinster. Like I agree with that interpretation. That's kind of where it is in our society. I'm, yeah. try- I'm trying to reclaim spinster. I like spinster, hmm. especially because of its origins. You know, spinster comes from women who were making a living from spinning wool into fabric to the Mm. point where they were independent enough that they didn't need to marry somebody. Okay. Yeah. I I mean, I like the origins. Yeah. Like as a, as a knitter, right. I'm just like, Oh, okay. Like I don't, I don't spin right now, but if I did, I'd definitely call myself a spinster. (laughs) But yeah, like, it's so interesting to me. This reminds me of reading Anne of Green Gables. And mm. in one of the books, I don't remember which one, Anne remarks that the best state of, like the best marital status for a woman is widow. Because mm. <laughs> when you, if you're single, you're an old maid or you're a spinster if you're too old. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's like, you know, being married doesn't sound great. She's like, it sounds great if you 
got married and then your husband dies so that you can just be like the distinguished widow. And I'm just like, wow, you've got a point, Anne. Yeah. Yeah. But then there's also like some taboo around that too. Like it's just, I feel like there's no, like, cause is there, is there the equivalent for a male, like a man who has lost his wife? A widower. Oh, okay. So, but I feel like you, mm. you never, I, I never really hear that term, a widower. No, because yeah. uh, other than in like Hallmark movies, right? Where you have like the, the widower who <laughs> tragically lost his wife to cancer and then he falls in love again. Yeah, I was just going to say, I feel like, I feel like it's, that's the narrative that we, that we usually yeah. see. It's like, he barely has time to be a widower because he's already on to the next, the next <laughs> thing. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to share some of the DMs that I received uh, about this very topic. And I am so excited. Okay. Obviously, I'm not, obviously, these people are going to remain anonymous. Okay. So one person messaged me and said, Oh my God, I was once at my friend's for a birthday get together and her mom out of nowhere made a comment saying it must be so hard being single one all the time being around all the couples you must be so lonely and I was so taken aback I ended up saying like no I'm good and then laughing emoji but I felt like saying I'd rather be single than being all of the than being any of these toxic relationships if you only knew but people always think that because you don't have a partner that you're automatically lonely and that's totally not the case. You could be with a partner and still feel lonely as well. So glad you're covering this topic so I can send the podcast to her. L-O-L. Ooh. Oh, I like that. Like a revenge podcast. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And I can't wait for her or this person <laughs> to send the podcast episode. Yeah, if mom. anybody else has episode ideas where it's like you just want to like get revenge on something somebody said by having us dunk on it for an entire episode hit us up we'll we'll charge a uh you know an affordable sponsorship fee and we could make could make this work but that's <laughs> Love it. yeah that's such a great point is that yeah we fetishize romantic partnerships to the point that often we push people especially women into mm-hmm. abusive relationships because they get to a point where they st- either start feeling desperate or mm-hmm. there's this, this desire. Yeah. Or you kind of, you know, you, you meet somebody and you overlook a red flag or several red flags because you're trying to convince yourself that this is what you want in your life. Yeah. And then suddenly you're in a toxic or unhealthy or abusive relationship. And it's so much harder to get out once you're in. Mm. Oh, it's so true. Okay. I'm going to read two more so that one was interesting because obviously the person is single this one is interesting because the person is married and has kids so i thought i'd share that perspective too so this person writes for me i always wanted to get married and have kids so when i was dating that was always a priority for me to find my lifelong partner as i've gotten married and have had kids i guess gaining some wisdom wisdom people have had to do what works best for them and their life should marriage and kids be the topic on a first date or getting to know someone? Not at all. But I'd imagine it would come up organically at some point if it's important to someone. It's hard for me to remember dating. It's been so long. But as someone who has known you for as long as I have, 
those things have not been important to you and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not going to lie. Some days it's hard to be on Instagram and see people enjoying the single life. I think every mother loves their kids, but sometimes it'd be nice to have a little taste of life before them again. LOL. (laughs) So I thought that was really interesting because, you know, I know my perspective and I can probably guess some other people's perspective who are single. And just hearing from this friend who is married and has kids, I was like, oh, wow. Like, you know, the grass isn't greener on the other side, you know? As much as some people who are single maybe want that life, it's like there are obviously still challenges that come with being married and having kids. As there are being single, it's just they're different challenges and they vary for for people, right? Absolutely. And I I love that because I think a lot of parents will see themselves in that comment, you know, is you can be happy that you're a parent, but also admit that it's a struggle often and a slog and that you miss the single and childless life and that's okay. And it doesn't mean you're a bad parent and it doesn't mean that you regret having kids. It's just, you know, I I think as humans, we are programmed to always want what we don't have. Totally. So true. Okay. So the last one, uh, this person responded to one of my ranting stories and they said, Laugh my ass off. My grandpa told me that something was wrong with me if I didn't want children, that only psychos or people with mental health issues do that. Literally had the don't say that out loud. People will think you're crazy. Mm. And I was, yeah, I was like, wow, that's, that is a lot. And, you know, unfortunately, that's, that can be pretty normal for a certain generation, you know? That's, that's all they knew growing up was you have to get married. You have to have kids. Maybe mm-hmm. there's no such thing as birth control also. So you probably had multiple kids <laughs> or that was the sin to use birth control. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. It, it's I, just, it's unfortunate when we mistake our beliefs for what is right and true in our society. Right. Yeah. And that, that sounds like that's what happened with that person's grandparent was, you know, I'm so sorry mm. that you had to hear that because yeah, it's one thing to believe that everybody should have kids. People can have mm. that belief, but it's another thing to go around telling people that they need to have kids or else you're going to be a psycho. Yeah. Or like there's something wrong with you. Yeah. Great. Thank you for everyone who wrote in and shared your experiences I hope you gained some more insight from this episode. And if you want to check out any more of the messages that I did receive, I put some on my highlights on my Instagram. So go check those out. And that's Becky Scotty. Excellent. And if our listeners would like to write into us with their own stories about pressures to date and get married and have kids, how can they reach out to the podcast? So you guys can email us the old-fashioned way. Uh, we just like to talk at gmail.com. We also have a Facebook page, We Just Like to Talk. And we are available on most podcast platforms. So check us out. Well, thank you, my fellow bachelorette slash spinster slash aspiring cougar friend. <laughs> 
Yeah, is there a way we can amalgamate all of those? I think maybe that would be the Um, ideal title. Yeah, you know what? That's a great question. Are there any other like alternative, like competing terms out there for like, especially a woman who's single and happy about it? If anybody knows of those, like, let us know. Maybe we can kind of make that a thing. All right. I would love to end off on this quote from Jackie Schimmel, who said, the vacancy of anyone's uterus is none of your fucking business. Boom! Mic drop.